Greetings. This is the Sex Ed Book Review Podcast, the podcast where we read sex ed books before you do, tell you about them so you can decide if it's right for you and those that you care about. Content warnings, there will be some discussions of sexuality, sexual health and bodies, and there may be also some discussion of sexual abuse or assault. And I am Landa. Um, I pronounce her she and her. I am a certified sexual health educator based in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, or Lekwungen territory. And I'm a, also a board certified behavior analyst. Fantastic. And I am Barb. Um, I also use she, her pronouns. I am um, a board certified behavior analyst and an ASEC certified sexuality educator. Um, and I am actually currently... Um, I'm currently located in Tennessee in the United States um, on the territory of the Cherokee, Shawnee, and Uche tribes. So there we are. Here's us. Everybody knows us. (laughs) That's right. But today we also have another us, another someone, a special episode with a guest author uh, that we'll introduce now. So the book that we're going to talk about is called what's an abortion anyway? And we did an abortion resources episode a while back. And we thought there must be a book or hopefully there's a book or there should be a book out there that is a way to talk about abortion with children or kids or younger people. So a lot of the resources we talked about were more kind of like geared to teens. And we found Carly, who is the author of a medically accurate, non-judgmental, gender-inclusive resource for young folks about abortion care. And Carly's pronouns are she, her, and her bio is hence, a white, queer, Jewish, full-spectrum doula from New York. She's always believed that young people deserve transparency when it comes to information about sexual health and bodies. Carly's been a practicing abortion doula for six years, supporting more than 2,000 individuals during in-clinic procedures. We're thrilled to have Carly, and we would love for you to tell us anything else about yourself, and then we'll jump into the fabulous book that you wrote. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, yes, again, Carly, she, her pronouns. I'm currently based on um, unceded Tongva land. Some folks might know that as Los Angeles, California, um, a new place for me. I did most of my abortion work in uh, the Washington, D.C. area for a long time, born and bred New Yorker. Um, what else is important to share about myself? It's funny to say, but I guess I'm a children's book author now, um, amongst being a full spectrum doula. So, Excited to jump in and chat about the book with you both and everyone else here. I, uh, and we were talking before we started recording and I said that um, uh, Landon and I had had a conversation. I was, I was very angry at the time. And I said, gosh, you know, I, I need there to be a book that we can talk about that explains abortion in a way that makes sense. And I Googled um, book explaining abortion. <laughs> I, think that was, I think those are as simple as the terms. And um, found the the Kickstarter that uh, I am thinking was part of building the um, awareness of and um, uh, sort of groundswell for the book. So I got a copy, and as soon as I started reading, I was like, "We need we need to talk to this person." <laughs> so we need to talk about this book, and we need people to know about it. Um, before we jump into the book, something that I'm wondering is, can you share a little bit about? Um, what a doula is, what a doula does. Yeah, would love to. Um, So a doula can do a lot of different things and there are different types of doulas, right? So you maybe have heard the term birth doula before or death doula. 
Um, postpartum doula, I think something that's becoming more popularized is an abortion doula. Um, and what someone who is an abortion doula specifically does is really support people having abortions. And they can do that in a variety of different ways. For me, that has been really physically and emotionally supporting people during their abortion. So while they're having an abortion, specifically in a clinical setting, um, making sure that they are as comfortable as possible, supporting them through breathing, um, visualizations, um, and then supporting them emotionally, right? So helping them process some of the feelings they might be having, um, sitting with them around feelings of joy that they might be having. It does not always need to be something that is heavy or negative in order to have a doula or support person. Sometimes I'm there to help celebrate people's abortions. Um, but the biggest role of a doula, no matter what type of doula you are, I think is being a source of non-judgmental, accurate information, right? So making sure that people know all of their options um, in a way that they feel affirmed and comfortable asking questions and also um, in whatever they choose, knowing that I am not here to judge them. I am simply here to be a companion um, on whatever path um, unfolds in front of them. So for me, it's really being that non-judgmental, accurate information source, because um, as we all know, it's very hard to come by non-biased information these days. And so I really see that as a part of my role. Amazing. Thank you. That's a perfect, I think, description of like the work that you do. And I'm sure part of how, what we'll get into around like why you were inspired to write this book. Um, we usually do a little description of the cover of the book for people just so they can sort of get an idea of like if they're looking online for it to make sure this is the one that they're looking for. So if you wouldn't mind describing what it looks like for us, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to make a quick shout out early on that the illustrator of this book, their name is Mar, um, they use they them pronouns. Um, their artist name is Emulsify Art. So if you want to find them on Instagram, it's at Emulsify Art. They are the creator of the gorgeous illustrations that um, make this book what it is. And the cover of this book, it's a white casing. Um, it has turquoise blue lettering. Um, in pretty bubbly font that says, what's an abortion anyway? In orange font under it, it says Carly Manis and Emulsify. And then on the bottom of the book, you have a ton of really beautiful, colorful flowers. Um, you have some leaves coming up in, in a deep green. And then around the top of the book, you have some stars and some dots in, a, in yellow and in bright pink. Um, and then the back of the book, um, again, is, is a continuation of those flowers on the bottom. And you'll get a little subnoxy synopsis, synopsis, that's a hard word, um, synopsis on the back with a butterfly above it um, and a yellow um, ISBN tag on the very bottom. So if you find that, you'll find this book. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, we'll definitely link to Mars Illustrator uh, page when we um, put all of the socials up for the episode. That's amazing. Um, I guess the next question that we had was sort of um, a bit more about your inspiration and sort of like, I guess, like maybe a three part, your inspiration for just writing the book, things that inspires you, like, or what your kind of process was, and then the process of how you worked with Mara as the illustrator uh, as well. So sort of like wrapping that up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Barb, our coming to this book is a very similar story. Um, I had been supporting people at a independent abortion clinic in Falls Church, Virginia um, for about two years. And I would often get the same question from folks, which was, 
Um, you know, I already have kids or I'm a caretaker or sometimes people had kids with them at the clinic when they were having their abortions. Um, as we know, childcare is very expensive in this country and very hard to come by. So folks had to bring their little ones with them. Um, and it was not uncommon that folks would look to me as the doula or the companion in the space to say, you know, I, how do I have this conversation with my kid that's in the waiting room? Or how do I have this conversation? Maybe not today, maybe not next week, but when they're older and I want to talk to them about um, abortion, do you have any advice or any, or any um, guidance? And I did not. I was in my early 20s. I um, was not a caretaker of any little ones directly. And I didn't have experience in this realm. And so I, like Barb, took to Google and I uh, searched the term how to talk to kids about abortion. And the only um, feedback that I got from my Google generator was um, anti-abortion content. It was a book called I'm a Pro-Life Kid. It was um, content on, you know, life site news, all things that I would never give to my patients because they weren't within my value set. And they certainly were certainly were not going to help my patients explain their abortion story um, two little ones in their lives in a values aligned and affirming way. And so I, I would Google every three to four months because I kept on getting the question, looking for a resource and one never came. So I decided to write it myself. Um, so I started writing this book, um, talked to a ton of child educators, um, a lot of the lovely people at Advocates for Youth, a great organization that I was on the board of at the time, um, helped me with some of my wording. We talked to some abortion providers themselves abortion providers who were parents and really had a lot of support in terms of the content of the book. What should it say um, if I'm going to write a book about abortion for little ones? And that's how the text came to be. It was about a, a four to five month process um, of the initial draft. And from there, I sent it to every agent that I could find on, you know, agent lists on the website, sent it to tons of different independent publishers. Um, that I thought would be interested in this book. And after almost three years of trying to get someone to represent it or publish it, no one would bite. I think for a lot of people, it was really scary, the idea of a children's book being published about abortion. Um, and that's how we sort of ended up with a Kickstarter and you know, not letting those logistical barriers or really the fear um, of publishers stand in the way of getting this book out into the world. And Landa, you asked the question about how Mar and I work together. So I had never published a book before and I didn't know what the process was. So I did not initially find an illustrator when I started to reach out to agents because what someone had told me was that if you're gonna try to publish a children's book, you should send the copy first. And then once you have an agent, they'll help you get an illustrator. And so I wanted to do my best to follow the industry advice um, but when that didn't pan out and I sort of came to what felt like a dead end, um, I decided that I was going to have to self-publish and that I needed to find a brilliant illustrator to do this with. And I met Mar in November 20, sorry, October 2019 at the first ever um, abortion doula slash emotional support gathering. It took place in Baltimore. Myself and a couple of other folks got a grant to organize this, you know, first ever gathering with folks from Mexico, Canada, the United States who were doing doula work. And I met Mar there, who was a part of the New York doula project. 
And I followed them on Instagram. I saw their brilliant work and I knew right away that if I was going to have to publish this on my own, Mar was the perfect person to partner with. And so I approached Mar and I said, do you want to do this? And Mar so gratefully said, yes. Um, I was so grateful that Mar said yes. Um, and then we embarked on the journey together. It was about a year long journey um, of Mar illustrating and continuing to edit the copy to make sure that it matched um, with the illustrations. One of the coolest things I think about this book and about the illustration process is that the pictures of the people in the book, I would say 80% of them are based on real people who have had abortions. Um, we worked with an organization called We Testify, run by a brilliant abortion storyteller, Renee Bracey Sherman, who partnered with us to um, share the images consensually, of course, of We Testify storytellers. And those photos are what um, are referenced in this book. So a lot of those pictures are people who have had abortions, are public abortion storytellers, and Mar um, made the likeness of their image for a lot of the pages of this book. So yeah, that's a bit of our process. Um, happy to share anything else. I, uh, first of all, I, I love the illustrations in this book so much. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about, you know, um, and anybody who listens to the podcast has probably heard uh, some of what we notice where we're, we're looking at sort of representation across um, different communities, different body types. Um, and that's something we particularly like about this book. Um, but I love that the people in this book, I mean, effectively are real people. Um, it, okay. Yep. I love it. I'm having like a whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's really cool. That's a really great, um, I didn't realize that either. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think a big thing for us is that, and I will say we had talked to one publisher who was maybe interested really early on when I just had the copy and their feedback was that it wasn't enough of a narrative and that um, I think the fact that we didn't use the word woman or mom or language that, you know, kids might, what we perceive as adults, that kids might have an easier time accessing, which I think is certainly a myth in my opinion, um, kind of goes to, to part of the reality of why there are so many different images in this book in that there was not already a resource. So if this was going to be one of the first resources, we wanted it to be incredibly foundational and really allow the reader and the caretaker likely reading this book with a little one to be able to insert a lot of their own narrative and a lot of their own um, experiences into the book. If we were gonna make this a narrative book that was you know, one of the publishers was interested in, the problem is that it makes one narrative around abortion that we're telling young people when we first talk about abortion and that's not the goal of this book. This book is really to open up abortion when we first introduce to little ones as an expansive topic where people have millions of different reasons for having abortions, feel millions of different ways about their abortions and lots of different types of people have abortions. And so in making a narrative, we really would have pigeonholed ourselves um, and I think would have done a disservice to our values, which for Mar and I are that culturally, we do not talk enough about and mainstream enough that lots of different people have abortions for lots of different reasons. They all feel lots of different ways and they are all valid. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking, and we talk a bit because Landon and I both, um, the, the communities that we support often are 
people with intellectual or developmental disabilities, um, the value in having this very straightforward narrative so that it's not, you, you don't have all of the extra kind of storytelling. There's no main character, so to speak. That to me is one of the things that makes this book incredibly accessible. It's one of the few books that I can think of. And Landa, you tell me what you think. It's one of the few books that I can think of where um, there's not a whole lot I would have to take out to make this clearer. That you put something together that is so incredibly clear. So I really appreciate that um, if I'm supporting either someone who um, you know has a, a child where they're explaining this uh, medical procedure that is going to be happening or somebody who you know may be in the process of um, either getting an abortion or considering an abortion um, who may have an intellectual disability we're needing to make the the explanation clear this is something if, if this isn't already in um well at this point now places where uh, abortion is still accessible and legal um and even not, I'm just going to throw my two cents, it should be everywhere and also, but if, if this is somewhere where people are making these decisions, this should be kind of on all of the shelves. So hopefully people are hearing about this and putting it on all of the shelves. So, all right, those are my opinions. All right, Landa, get us back on track. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I, I, I agree with you that there's a lot of books that sort of, I think like add too much and it doesn't like, that's like for the benefit of the adult reader, not the child. Right. And so it's like, if we just like make it like a simple book or we think we have to add more or like floof around a little bit and it, yeah, it just like, I think it loses some of that like straightforwardness and, you know, as with people we support for sure, like often I'll like, we'll look at the pictures of a book, even if it's geared towards somebody that's younger and I still have to like change the text. Um, but in this case, you know, not so much when we're talking about like young, you know, we keep saying like little people, young folks that we're supporting, like what age group do you sort of envision like reading the book? I mean, you know, we could sort of say like, obviously everybody, but when you were making it, um, is there like an age group where you were like, I think this group really doesn't have a good source of information. Yeah. Um, the intention and the sort of sign off from folks who work with um, young people and providers. Um, we sort of market it as seven to 10 um, is a really good age for people to read this book, especially like that nine, 10 year old reading it on their own um, would be an okay thing. And then I think having a follow-up conversation as a caretaker or an adult being like, so you read this book, how did you feel about it? What questions do you have? Um, I think, we know people are reading this with kids a lot younger, which I think is brilliant. We get uh, shout outs on our Instagram story all the time of people reading this with their three, four, five-year-olds. Um, and I think it's an okay to book, a book to return to, right? Like a three, three and four-year-old might not have the full conceptualization in a lot of ways of um, exactly, they're probably gonna ask you many times over the next couple of years is how does pregnancy happen? How does a baby get made? And so, you'll probably reread a book like Corey Silverberg's What Makes a Baby, and then you'll come back to this book. Um, and so I think whatever age, in my opinion, when a young person um, starts asking about a topic, they are old enough to hear about it. Obviously, you're going to adjust your language based on where that young person is in their learning journey. Um, but regardless, it's never 
for me, it's never responsive. You're not old enough. It's let's talk about it in a way that makes sense to you right now. And we'll talk about it again when it comes up in a year from now or two years from now. I was talking to um, a doctor uh, who works with amazed parents, uh, I think two days ago. And she was just saying like, it's so important to be an askable adult. And I think that's a part of what this is, is that when a young person comes to you who's three or four and asks what an abortion is, I think this book can be a really good foundation and you might come back to it and give more detailed description three years later. So while it's marketed to a seven to 10 year old in terms of like a reader maybe on their own being able to read it, I think reading it at a younger age with an adult is a really appropriate thing to do. And again, caretakers can insert as much information as they want. The book is really vague in a way that gives information, but also leaves a lot of spaciousness to have a deeper conversation based on what both the, the little one and the reader feel like is needed in that moment. Um, it's funny because you mentioned, uh, I was as I was thinking and I just cracked the my copy of the book open again and looked at the first sentence. I'm gonna read the first sentence just because it I think gives a little bit of clarity. Um, but the first sentence reads as follows. Um, when a person gets pregnant, many different things can happen, period. That is the first sentence of the book. So first of all, some beautiful things for it. We're talking about a person gets pregnant, right? So like you said, we're not talking about gendered things. We're not, you know, assuming that there's, you know, a specific family structure and not assuming that um, continuing a pregnancy is the expected thing that will happen, that many things could happen. And I was thinking that you know, What Makes a Baby, which was our episode 19 book, um, that, um, that that's sort of like, a, a, it ties in really well. And I feel like it, it could follow. Um, I wonder if this would be a good book just to have available, not necessarily um, there's somebody that is in um, this person that I support, whether they're a child or older, um, there's somebody in this person's life who is, um, who is having an abortion or who had an abortion. Um, but I almost feel like this is a book to have just to be talking about a, a medical procedure, right? That it would be, you know, if we're, if we're talking about, you know, what makes a baby, well, that's not necessarily a given thing that's going to happen. We don't only provide that information for young people when somebody in the family is pregnant. We've been providing it pro, like proactively, right? So I feel like this kind of fits the same way. So, yeah, it's, our intention and our hope with this book is that it would live on library shelves and in bookstores amongst the other books about pregnancy and pregnancy outcomes because it is, it's about normalizing abortion as simply another pregnancy outcome. And all pregnancy outcomes have a lot of emotions attached to them, right? Like birth has a lot of emotion attached, miscarriage, abortion. Um, it is so I don't want to say abortion is simple, but it is simply another outcome of pregnancy that has its own complexities the same way that all outcomes of pregnancies do. And we intentionally do not use political rhetoric in this book. Abortion is inherently political, therefore it is a political book. Um, you know, unfortunately, based on the nature that abortion has been politicized, but the book doesn't talk about legality. The book doesn't talk about choice. The book, like you both said, is a really simple ex explainer the way that what makes a baby, the way that any book about um, a pregnancy outcome is. It's really that foundational setting of just, here's what an abortion is. Like, this is it. It's, it's a resource book to just say, this is what this medical procedure is. People have feelings about it. People have it for different reasons. 
and we love and support people no matter what those are. And that's that. Um, so really just resonate with what you said, Barb. Yeah. And that's another uh, piece of the, the story that I really like. Um, and I'm going to paraphrase just, so I'm not reading the whole book out yet. We could have like, you know, Barb's story time on the podcast, but, um, the, you know, the last piece of the book kind of summarizes as you don't know what it's like to be somebody else. So everyone's going to have their own experience. And I thought that was also something that was really, um, that was really resonant. That was, um, I, I think it's something that would probably also be resonant with other people. And like you said, um, regardless of, um, pregnancy intention or outcome, you don't know what it's like to be somebody in whichever setting pregnant or not. So it felt like that was just such a great way to kind of end everything also. So I know normally we end, we end by talking about what are the things that we really like? And I've already said all, I said, I said myself. So it's kind of, it blends in, it blends in. Um, well, one of the things that you talked about, and I don't know, maybe we've sort of covered most of this, but if there's anything else around like making the book inclusive. So you said like around like the language and the depictions of people or real people, is there anything else specific in the book that, um, you want to highlight as like a way that you thought to try to make it as inclusive as possible? Yeah, I think that was a big piece of it um, in terms of gender, especially being one, because socially we talk about pregnancy often, um, specifically around cis women. Um, I want to say specifically around white cis women, which is why the images were so important to ensure that um, we were, you know, giving um, voice to and making visible all of the types of people who have abortions. In terms of the gender piece, we do use people who get pregnant. We use people throughout the book. And um, I think, you know, I hear unfortunately a lot of rhetoric around being gender inclusive around abortion is erasing women. And I think that's just um, such a sad sentiment in, in that making our language more expansive allows for all people to be visible in it, right? So when I, when I talk about abortion, I'll say women, trans men, non-binary folks, and anyone else can have an abortion. Um, and I think with this book, again, what's so what I what I love is that if the person reading the book is someone who identifies as a woman, that's great. They can talk about their own personal abortion experience, and it's certainly reflected in this book because they are included in people. Right. Um, and that's yeah, that's what that was our intention here, that everyone can see themselves in this book. And I, I think we met it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Do you, one other thing that you sort of kind of mentioned, um, that I wanted to sort of come back to is around like your inclusion of, you know, talking about, you know, really like the basics of like what an abortion is with just like straightforward facts, but then also the fact that different people will have different feelings and maybe how you included people's feelings and experiences in the book as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this all comes from my abortion support and doula work. I have supported at, you know, like you mentioned, over 2000 people throughout their abortions and there were 2000 feelings that people had, right? So everyone has their own unique feelings around abortion. And I think what's important to mention, and we mentioned this early on in the book is that um, alignment that, that we have is some people want to talk about it and some people don't. 
some people feel relieved, some people feel sad, some people feel lonely, some people feel joy. Um, and this whole idea that people have different feelings and the, the next piece of that is many people feel all these things at the same time, which is super true, right? And the same goes for birth and the same goes for miscarriage that, um, you know, we talk to young people a lot about feelings about, well, how does that make you feel? And so we hope that this is really a page and a section of the book that young people can really relate to of, oh yeah, I feel lots of different ways about, you know, what I'm going to eat for dinner tonight, or, you know, what my friend said to me yesterday or what I was taught in school. And sometimes I'm sad, sometimes I'm happy. And sometimes I feel both those things and that's okay too. Um, and so I think it's really reinforcing values that I imagine are already being taught in a lot of homes that have this book, um, really around that values alignment piece. Um, the other piece too that felt really important to us was mentioning the different, some of the different reasons that people have abortions um, to ensure that again, it wasn't one narrative. I think often in a political context in the United States, we often talk about abortions that are had um, around a really specific set of circumstances around fetal anomaly, around, um, you know, folks that are poor and unable to parent, although they wish that they could, but never really some of those reasons that I think are a little more stigmatized around, I just don't want to have a kid right now. I don't have a reason that is deemed moral by like a large social swath. And like the whole point of this book and that last line, Barb, you brought up around like, we just don't know what it's like to be someone else is that every reason that someone has an abortion is a valid and okay reason. And that we don't have to agree with it as individuals, but it is our job to show them love, respect, and care. And those are also values that most of the people bringing this book into their home are probably teaching their little ones. So it's really a through line around that value piece. Mm -hmm. Um, we, I, I kind of, I, I was just so excited that you were here that I just jumped right past. We usually do like a little caveat at the beginning of our episode saying like, we're going to talk about a book, but it's intended to be like one resource, not like the resource. And, you know, we often harken back to this idea that like, you know, sex education needs to be more than just putting a, a book in the bedroom and then like leaving and like hoping for the best. Um, and so you've, you've already alluded to like lots of great resources that we'll, we'll link to in like show notes and, and things like that. Um, but any other resources that you think might be helpful um, in particular that you maybe haven't mentioned already, or you want to sort of like re-mention that might be helpful to like supplement this conversation and, and maybe as part of that, even it, in your process of writing this, maybe you gave some thought to, or in your conversations with people, um, like an opener or like a conversation starter. I mean, obviously the book is a conversation starter for caregivers who are like nervous to start this conversation. I can imagine that in like homes, um, particularly in America, but here in Canada too, like, you know, kids are perceptive and they might've heard like abortion mentioned in on the radio, in the car or like on TV. And they're like asking what it is and, and parents aren't sure. So I guess like a, like, you know, definitely people can get a copy of the book, but any, any tips for like people who are nervous and some other resources that you might think might help them to sort of like, um, shore up their confidence in having this talk. Yeah. Um, we have this piece in like the, 
introduction from the author and illustrator, but it's really hard to have this conversation if little ones don't know where a baby comes from or where pre how pregnancy happens. So you really want to explain how a pregnancy takes place first, which is why what, you know, what makes a baby is a fantastic resource. Um, and any other book that feels right for you and your family around explaining how pregnancy comes to be, because abortion is a result of pregnancy. So definitely starting out with that conversation and understanding first, I think is really important um, before having a conversation about an abortion or another pregnancy outcome. Um, you know, I wish there were a lot more resources around abortion and little ones that I could refer you to. That's why the book was made because there's such a void here. I can't wait to see what other books come out. Um, I hope that a publisher someday will, you know, actually publish a children's book about abortion. Um, they weren't willing to publish this one, but maybe there's another one that will resonate. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of the continuing resources are gonna be around conversations that are had in the home um, and in your communities. I think We Testify is an excellent resource because it is people sharing their personal abortion stories. So sharing those um, with little ones is, is always excellent. They have videos of storytellers sharing their stories um, just to get the breadth of all the different people and different reasons that people have abortions. See what else. You know, Landa, I wish I had more for you, but I think mm -hmm. that's it. And I think that yeah. after the overturning of Roe, I'm just hoping that more and more resources come out that, you know, if we talk in a year from now, we have a whole list of things to send to, to caregivers and parents and people working with young ones. So I really mm -hmm. see this book as one of hopefully many resources to come. Um, but we hope it's a good one to start with. Yeah. I think sometimes too, just even like other, like you referenced Amaze Jr. Like they've got some really great resources and just Amaze, which would be like good for like slightly older um, kids and then the audience, like target audience of your book, maybe sort of like 10 plus. But even sometimes I find as like a caregiver or even for me as like a teacher, watching some of those as an adult to just like get comfortable with how to have the conversation. And then you kind of have to adapt that to like, what's important for like your family and how you're talking about your values or whatever. So even expanding on some of those, like you're not going to share maybe the amaze video about abortion with say a three-year-old, but you could watch it as an adult and be like, okay, I feel like I have a few like keywords or a phrase that I can kind of like massage a little bit to make fit for my kid and where they're at or my little one that I care about and where, where they're coming from. So some of those things too, I think, um, are, are good for, um, adults to sort of like get an idea or even like having listened to this conversation, hopefully we can kind of help people just get more comfortable. Right. I think it's that like discomfort when you don't feel confident in talking about a topic maybe. Right. Yeah. Um, that's a great point, Landa. Uh, Abortion Amaze video is fantastic. Um, could not recommend Amaze content enough, especially just Amaze content around how pregnancy happens. It's a great precursor to this book as well. Yeah, I watched one of those yesterday with a with a kiddo. Actually, it was great. I was actually just thinking about um, you know one of the things that uh, again, like maybe an added bonus of of this book. Um, like we were saying, sometimes just build, building comfort around a topic is a super important first step. And I feel like looking through um, 
you know, depending on someone's learning history or their environment, it may be possible that someone um, who's trying to explain, I mean, any topic, but, you know, in this case, who's trying to explain abortion to um, a, a young person who is in their care, um, depending on their learning history, that may be a topic that is confusing or where there is misinformation or where there is some, you know, politicizing that's in their history. So this book almost is, it's almost like a palate cleanser. <laughs> it's almost saying like, here are really, you know, clear, unambiguous, medically accurate, non-judgmental, basic facts. So I think this almost functions in that way also. And I've, I mean, Land, I don't know about you, but I have absolutely recommended children's books to grown people who are trying to understand, you know, what their clitoris is and how it works. Same kind of thing. I feel like this kind of serves the, uh, like the same purpose. Of yeah, there's definite gaps in like that education. And I would like in Canada here, we're lucky uh, in some ways around like our sex education, like mandates and things like that around like what people's choices are um, if they're pregnant, but there's not a lot like of time and detail that like, can go into it other than being like your options are right. Um, and, and so having like additional resources. Yeah. Like I would imagine that there's lots of, you know, sadly, like lots of older people that don't know what an abortion is or is not. And, you know, obviously some of those facts are coming out and that would need to be tailored to like this younger audience, but yeah, absolutely. It could be a book for a book for all. Um, is there anything else, Carly, that we haven't touched on that you think is like important that you want to share about the book or anything about the, the process um, or just your thoughts sort of um, about access to the book and maybe why it's important like in this moment? Yeah, um, I think y'all asked such good questions that we got to most of it. I think in terms of access to this book, um, I recommend that people donate a copy to their local library to make it accessible to everyone. And yeah, again, it's just it's just one resource out of um, many, kind of like what you said, Land, it's really important. This is simply one and that the conversations are ongoing and continue. And my biggest takeaway generally in talking about young people and topics that have been deemed socially taboo or complex is that young people are really, really smart and childism is super real. And when people, when young people ask questions, trust that they um, trust them, trust them in being able to uh, take what works for them and leave what doesn't, trust them in their capacity to hold complexity and nuance and, you know, being an adult ally to young people is um, is a really special role that we get to play. So I think those are my parting words. Amazing, thank you, that's so great. Um, so yeah, again, the book is What's an Abortion Anyway? We will link all to all the places. And uh, Barb, if you wanna sign us off. I sure will, thank you so much. I'm so glad that we got to talk, Carly. I'm so, so, so thankful for this book. I'm thankful for your work. I'm thank you, thankful for Mar and that this is available. Um, and I'm going to say some parting words. Sound good? All right. 
Sex Ed Book Review is a collaboration between Landa Fox and Barb Groups, and the views and opinions expressed on this podcast should not be a substitute for professional or clinical advice. Find us on Instagram at Sex Ed Book Review and at www.sexedbookreview.com.